Good morning, everybody. My name's Stuart. If you haven't met me, a very warm welcome to Real Life Church. I hope you had a good weekend so far, enjoying the weather. I had a very good day yesterday because, basically, because my family and I, we got invited out for food twice in the day, which basically, after I had a bowl of cereal in the morning, my food was set for the day, which is excellent. We had brunch in the morning with Mike and Sarah, and which was lovely, with bacon and sausages and, and pancakes, and that was brilliant. And then in the afternoon, we went over to Jeremy and Becky's house, and we had a barbecue, where we had chicken and ribs, and basically, it was a good day yesterday because of the food. And it got me thinking about food, and, and I, I was thinking, about when are the best times, kind of, you have food, the most impressive times, the biggest times, and it often, for me, it often in weddings, we go to weddings... And there's, there's the bit you're there for, which is the marriage bit, which is nice. You know, yeah, okay, yeah, they're getting married. But actually, what are we really after? We're really after what comes next, which is usually a meal of some sort. And we've been, my wife and I, we've been through lots of, lots of weddings over our life. We've been to family weddings. We've been to friends in church weddings. We've been to friends outside church weddings. We've been to lots of them. And they always have a kind of a food element, which is fantastic, what you look forward to. And they usually serve up really good food at these weddings. They think a lot about it. People spend a lot of money to bless the guests as we enjoy the celebration. And I want to tell you about two of the, the, the meals I've been to at weddings. The first one was, no joke, um, some friends of ours got married, and we went to a 400-person sit-down meal. I mean, meal is somewhere a bit trivial to call it, isn't it? It was a banquet. It was colossal. And the, the chef who cooked it was flown in, flown in from Sri Lanka, okay, to do the wedding food. And we were sat on these round tables with um, a bunch of people. You get your seat and you go and find it. And in the middle of the table, there was these tall, probably about this tall on the top of the table, um, set of bowls that you could kind of spin around. They all had a little individual holder for the bowl and they went up and the bowls got smaller as they went almost like a kind of Christmas tree sort of shape style. And in there were these incredible dishes, kind of curries and vegetables, amazing aromas. And you got to just help yourself out of them on the table. And we just got to share them and chat. And then the amazing thing has happened. As you kind of served yourself, we all served with the rices and, and everything like that. When you finished a bowl, something magical happened. And that is a, a person appeared out of nowhere behind you, wearing the kind of the white suit that kind of they wear, took the bowl away and replaced it with a full one. Like you blinked. I remember finishing a bowl and thinking, oh, it's finished. Put it back. Turned. Turned back. And it was full. And you're like... Where am I? Where am I? And it was amazing. And basically what we found out is we couldn't out-eat them. On the, the guys around the table said, right, let's, we'll take them on this. We'll, we'll finish it all and see if we can. And they couldn't. They just kept replenishing it. So we got to the end of the meal and we were stuffed. And there was so much food and it was so wonderful. But basically our tower was full. And it was like, we've lost. They've won. They've all this food. We can't, we can't do it. They, they've, they're so lavish, so generous. We just can't eat it all. And it was just an amazing time. And then we went to another wedding um, where we went down uh, and Mel and I turned up and we got to the, we had the wedding, great, and then we went to the sort of reception and we, we saw the stuff laid out on the side. This was more of a self-service one and we saw what was there and we thought, well, we kind of saw the menu and there was Thai green curry. Oh, I love Thai green curry. And there was some Thai green curry and we're like, oh, I'll have a bit of that. And so we went along and we served ourselves extra helping. When you're self-service, you can get an extra helping. And then we put the rice and then we got back and we got back to our place and we heard there was going to be some fruit strudel for pudding, which was wonderful. And then we sat down to eat it and then something happened. I started eating the, uh, the Thai green curry and thought, not really sure about this. You know, and you're at a wedding and you're polite. And you're, mm-hmm, not really sure about what I'm eating. And then, then, this, then this, this rumor started to ripple around the room. No joke, around the room. And it was, 
the bride and groom were vegans. And they, in their wisdom, had decided to inflict on all the guests at their wedding veganism. So what I was eating wasn't my chicken Thai green curry that I thought, it was tofu. What the heck on God's earth is tofu? It was just like, what am I? It just, and I thought, okay. Thankfully, there were roasted vegetables, because you can't go wrong with roasted vegetables. So we had extra roasted vegetables. But I was, eating, I was thinking, okay, we'll, we'll wait for pudding. The apple strudel sounds good, uh, or the fruit strudel, whatever it was. But they made the pastry for the fruit strudel. But of course, because they were vegans, there was nothing good in it. It was, there was nothing with butter, <laughs> and there's no milk, or eggs, or there's like nothing in it, so we got it, and I, I, I'd say this all seriously, it was grey, the pastry, no joke, it was grey, it was grey, and so we got a slice, and you're like, I've got to eat it, because I'm so English, that's what we do, you just eat it, because it's in front of you, and you say thank you when someone's giving you a so I ate it, but it was hard work, you know getting that down there and then what happened at the end of the meal which was just staggering was that after we'd all kind of had our fill we went into the bar there was a bar there we were going to have a a kind of a a dance afterwards and you wouldn't believe it the people piling up to the bar not for drinks (laughs) but for the crisps the bacon and beef flavored crisps behind the bar and the bar sold out of of snacks Within the first hour, it was incredible. It was just almost like the place was, it was like locusts went through. And you got these ravenous men (laughs) trying to eat all this stuff to compensate for what they'd had. And it was like, oh my goodness, this wasn't so good. And then some cruel individual started a rumor, which turned out to be a rumor, although we believed it because we were in that kind of delirious place, that there was a burger van turning up outside (laughs) the venue that was selling butties and burgers. We were like, really, when's it coming? When's it coming? When's it coming? Do we have one more dark? And it turned out to not be true. And so I still am emotional scars for that. So I might be doing Freedom in Christ over that later. But we had these two weddings. And they both promised much, but one delivered, one not so much. And what we're going to be looking at today in Proverbs, getting back to what we're talking about. If you've got a Bible, turn to Proverbs chapter 9. Is we're going to be looking at a couple of banquets. A couple of meals that have been laid out. Now, our Proverbs series ends officially next week. Melanie is going to be doing that, finishing off our Proverbs series. But what I'm finishing today is, is the introduction. We looked at the first nine chapters of Proverbs are like this extended introduction to the whole book. You've got the remaining chapters, 10 to 31, which contain mostly these small pithy Proverbs. But the, the first nine chapters kind of set it up and they're the words of Solomon, the wisest man outside Jesus who ever lived, who was blessed by God with great wisdom to lead his people and he wrote it down but we also found out behind Solomon's words are the words of God himself speaking to us, speaking words of wisdom and we found in Proverbs, Proverbs very much about the nitty gritty of life, real life situations, how do we do this, how do we live, very practical stuff, stuff about money and sex and making good choices. And we found all this come here, and we're kind of finishing out this introduction section on it, looking at these two banquets. So I'm going to read Proverbs 9, verse uh, 1. It says, Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her beasts. She has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her young women to call from the highest places in town. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. To him who lacks sense, she says, come and eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. Whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse and he who reproves a wicked man incurs 
injury. Do not reprove a scoffer or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man and he will still be wiser. Teach a righteous man and he will increase in learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. For by me your days will be multiplied and your years will be added to your life. If you are wise, you are wise for yourself. If you scoff, you alone will bear it. The woman folly is loud. She is seductive and knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house. She takes a seat on the highest places in town, calling to those who pass by. Who are, sorry, those who pass by, who are going straight on their own way. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And to him who lacks sense, she says, stolen water is sweet and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But he does not know that the dead are there and that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. Okay, big idea today is uh, who are you going to eat with? Wisdom or folly? Who are you going to eat with? Wisdom or folly? And we've seen in the two previous kind of chapters of Proverbs, we've seen these two women. We've seen the adulteress, the unfaithful wife, a woman who is brazen and seductive and interested in the base pleasures of life and tries to lure people away. And their ultimate, if you follow her, the ultimate kind of destination for you is death and destruction. And we contrast her with Lady Wisdom, who we saw last time. Lady Wisdom is beautiful and noble and she is dignified and she is calling out to everyone saying, listen to me, come to me, come and learn from me. And in her you find life and health and, and good things. And then we contrasted them as we looked at them. And now those two same characters kind of come up again here, both as kind of hosts of a party, if you will, owners of a house saying, come and listen to me. And they're actually appearing both together. And they both invite the simple, the gullible into their homes Wisdom does it out of love, and she's after people's hearts. She says, I want your heart. Come, uh, come and learn from me. Folly does it out of lust, and she's competing for men's bodies and men's minds, saying, come, come to me, and using kind of that sort of thing to tempt them. And what we see in the passage, you've got the first six verses is Lady Wisdom calling out, then you've got the last six verses is Lady Folly calling out, and in the middle, you've got this bit about the scoffer and the wise men. We look at it, and... As I've said in the past, when you have male and female images in um, the book of Proverbs, they don't necessarily apply directly to only one gender. Okay? So actually we can apply these across the board, male and female, we can learn wisdom, we can learn folly from them, and we can also be tempted by both of them. But the bottom line is you accept wisdom's invitation, you live, you accept folly's invitation, and you die. So the first banquet, the first meal we're invited to is Lady Wisdom's at the beginning there. And she is this hostess, she has built a house and she has hewn out seven pillars. The seven pillars refer to the pillars that hold out the roof, which means it's a really big house. It's also in the Bible, seven is a complete and perfect number. So the fact that her house has a seven in it shows that the completeness and perfect perfection of her wisdom. Because lazy wisdom comes from God and speaks from God, so there's something good about what she's doing. And she's built this house. Some common say to say the house she's built. What's this house she built? Well, actually, it's really what we've read in the first nine chapters. Almost, She's laid something out for us, a house, if you will, that we can live in from these first nine chapters, something we can learn and live our life by. So there is lady wisdom speaking out the wisdom of God to people and saying, come into my home. And she's calling people. She's calling people and saying, come in. And she's got a banquet ready. What does it say? It says she's slaughtered her beasts. So she's got animals that she's killed and cooked. 
and is making an incredible banquet out. She has mixed the wine, which means she's taken wine, and they would have mixed it with spices and honey to actually make the wine more potent, more flavorsome, basically make it better. She's got the best stuff out, concocted and said, I've got the best here for you to drink. And she's set her table. Everything's ready. She's laid it out. I don't know if you've been to weddings and you've seen that the table's laid out. They're beautiful. The decorations, the place settings, the the glasses, the knives, the forks, and they like have name places on your thing with your name on it, and you feel very kind of like, this is where I sit. This has been prepared for me to sit here amongst all the other guests. This is my place that I can sit and enjoy this meal. And Lady Wisdom has set this meal out, and she has sent out people to call in those who would come. She's sent people out saying, it's ready. I've prepared it. It's all laid out. It's all ready through this great big banquet with food and wonderful, and it's the wisdom of God is available for you all. And she calls them in. And what does she say to them? What she says, she says, whoever is simple, and then she says this, let him turn in here. Let him turn in here. To him who lacks sense, she says. Now, what she's doing is she's calling to the people who are there, the gullible, the simple, those who think who lack wisdom. Most of that would be us at certain points in our life. Lack wisdom, we need wisdom. And she says to them, turn in, that's key. Turning is a biblical image. When you turn away from one thing, you turn towards something else. You're saying, you're going this way. Turn away from that and come to me. In the New Testament, we'd give that a word. There you go, repentance. That's repentance. That's a biblical word for what it means to turn away from our way of doing it, turn away from our old way of life and follow Jesus. Repent of our old way. Repent of the things we've done. Repent of our sin. And what Lady Wisdom is basically saying is repent. Turn and come with me. Learn from me. Turn away from your old way. Turn away from thinking you know the best, that you're in charge, that you've got it all sorted and come and learn from me because I know this. And we've seen that she's built this house. There's so much on offer. We've seen the perfection of it and she's saying come in and enjoy. Come and eat my bread. Drink the wine I've mixed. Leave your simple ways and live. They've got to make a decision. Repent from your ways. Come and follow me. I've laid that incredible banquet and just like a wedding, there's no cost. You just turn up and eat it. It's amazing. Someone else is paying for this. And they're laying out and saying, you, come learn from me. And so that's what wisdom is doing. She's saying, come, learn from me. Come, eat what I'm offering to you. Move on to the next section. We take a bit of a break before we get to uh, Folly's call. But now we have these two men. So we've got a male image here. The wise men and the scoffer. Some of your translations might have said mocker. Uh, as well. Uh, A scoffer or a mocker is an individual who is so full of themselves that they are contemptuous of others. They are not humble before God. They are proud and arrogant and confident in their own knowledge of the world and everything in it, of their their knowledge of God, of how they should live, of how everything works. They are, it says in um, my one, it talks about, you use the same word again, it talks about a wicked man. They are people who are not good, evil. And they are just, they're there. And he says, actually, he says, 
whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself a rebuke, and whoever reproves a wicked man encourages injury. Those two words, correct and reprove. Correct means just uh, what it says, correct them, bring, a, say, actually, no, that's not right. If you correct someone, they think someone, you, you say, no, that's not right. The other one, reprove, means to reason with, to dialogue with someone, to explain. Okay, let me just, let me, let's talk about this, and let me get my points across. And it says, what, what does, a, what does a, a mocker and a scoffer do when he receives this? It's not pleasant. Abuse and injury. So the response of someone like that when confronted with wisdom, when confronted with correction, is they become abusive, verbally abusive, swearing at them, and then violent as well. They will actually cause injury into what they're doing. And actually, so we've got wisdom telling people to repent, turn away, come this way, which in itself is a correction. And even if you ask, why should I do that? Someone might reason with you and try and dialogue and say, look, let me explain to you all this stuff we've read earlier in in Proverbs, all the stuff that's come. Let me explain why this is not good, what you're doing is not healthy. The scoffer basically shouts, screams and swears and then starts leading with their fists. Really not a good response to the wisdom that is coming to them. But then who's that contrasted with? The wise man. A, A mocker, a scoffer, if you correct them, what will they do? They will hate you. How dare you speak to me? How dare you correct me? Who do you think you are to speak to me like that? The response of the wicked man. What's the response of a wise man? He will love you. He will love you. He will actually think, thank you so much for clearing that up for me. I didn't know that. I wasn't aware of that. I didn't see that in myself. I didn't see what my actions were doing, where they were leading, the consequences of my life. You've just laid it out for me. And the interesting thing about the wise man, which I like, it says in here, wisdom is not a destination, it's a journey. Because look at what this says about the wise man. He says, give instruction to a wise man and what? He will be still wiser which means you don't just get there and think I'm a wise man it's not like a job title that you've got and that's it I can now sit back on my kind of comfy chair I am wise I've been a Christian quite a few years now I'm a pastor of a church I must be wise I I mean I have to it goes without saying that I am wise I'm married I have two children I have to be wise and so I can just sit on my throne of wisdom And if you want to learn, you can come to me. And I will dispense the pearls that I have for you, and you too can be wise. It's not like that. Actually, wisdom is a journey. Wisdom is a journey. Even the wise man, even those who have learned something, even those who have been walking with the Lord a while, have learned wisdom, have learned what the the Bible said and applied to life, they are still room to grow. There's still a journey that you're on, and the reality is, guess what? It never ends until you die. And it's, it's a continual thing. And the wise man takes correction. He loves you for correcting him. He loves you for pointing things out to him. And as a result, what happens? He becomes even wiser. You can grow in stature. You can increase in learning. You can get actually more wise, which is the total opposite of the scoffer who just says, I don't want to listen to you. I'm not interested in what you've got to say. The wise man says, actually, I'm teachable, even though I've learned all these things. I might have attained this stuff. I've still got much room to go. And then what's it come up to verse 10? It's interesting that this is here. If you remember, you were here back right at the beginning, the very first part of this um, 
series, we looked at the first few verses of Proverbs where it laid everything out. It laid out that this is by Solomon and it says this, you can learn insight, you can learn wisdom, you can get understanding. And then it got to verse 7 which we said was the foundation of the entire book. The foundation of everything that comes after it. All 31 chapters. And what was that foundation? Does anyone remember? It's there in verse 10 if you're not sure. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is inside. How do you become wise? Right at the end of this introduction, the writer Solomon's bringing them back and saying it's all about the fear of God. What separates the scoffer from the wise man? Fear of the Lord. Submission to his authority. Recognizing who he is. That he is an awesome, mighty, holy God. He is above us. He is greater than us. He knows more than us. He is infinite and we are finite. We are so small and yet he is cosmic in his power. And actually we begin with recognizing who he is and who we are before him. And that's what separates them. And if you learn the fear of the Lord, if you go after it, what's the result of that? It just finishes out that section. Your days will be multiplied. Your years years will be added to your life. It's going to be a good thing to have that fear of the Lord. And that separates the two types of people. It separates the two types of banquets, the banquets that wisdom has laid out and the banquet of folly laid out. And in response to these two calls that we're going to look at, you can respond two ways. You can be a wise man and you can respond positive and actually take a correction and think, I need this. Or you can respond like, don't need that, not interested in that, that's not for me, I know better. I've learnt more, I know the right way and all you're doing is deluding yourself. Let's look at the last banquet. Folly's banquet. So we've had wisdom has laid out this wonderful thing and then we have the woman of folly on the other side who is the rival of wisdom. And it begins, the woman of folly is loud, she is seductive and knows nothing. Another translation put it like this, the woman named folly is brash, she's ignorant and doesn't know it. Oh, that sounds charming, doesn't it? Oh, I'd love to hang out with her. She's brash, she's ignorant and she doesn't even know it. I mean, that's just, oh, no. Imagine a blind date with that. Yeah, you just, no. And so that's, that's the contrast with wisdom, Lady Wisdom, who, who does know, who does know when you've got the wisdom of God. She's dignified, and she's noble, and she's beautiful. And then you've got Lady Wisdom kind of crass, brash, just spouting stuff, but doesn't even realize how silly it makes her sound. And what does she do? Because of her ignorance, because of her, she doesn't know it, it says she sits at the door of her house and she takes her seat on the highest place of the town. So she's going outside. She's setting herself up above the city, above everyone, so everyone can see her. So she's out outside her home, so people pass us by can see her. She's also set herself up above the city, that kind of visible place, just saying, look, here I am, come and follow me. Interestingly, what is missing from that, if you compare it with Lady Wisdom, what was Lady Wisdom doing in the second verse of her section, and what's Lady Folly doing in the second verse of her section? Well, Lady Wisdom is taking a lot of time to prepare. She's getting stuff ready. She's sorting out. She said, I've got lots for you. Lady Folly is not even bothering. She's, there's no preparation. She's not taking time. She's not interested. She's not interested in the guests. She sent no messengers out to call people in. She's just set herself up saying, here I am. Look at me. And now what she does, she says, she's calling to those who pass by who are going straight on their way. If you look at the call, whatever she says, look at verse 16 and look at verse 4. What do you notice? They're basically the same. 
Wisdom and folly call out the same. They call out the same. Wisdom and folly set up their stalls side by side and they call out the same. Same message. Turn away, come to me. Turn away, come to me. One of them says, turn away from the ways of the world, come to God. Learn the wisdom of God who created everything. The other one says, turn away from God and come to the wisdom of the world and learn from that. They're both calling out the same. Turn away, come to me. And they're both making this call. They're both saying, we offer wisdom. We offer insight. We offer we offer kind of knowledge of this world, but actually they're staggeringly different, the two things that they offer to you. And she invites and she calls and says, come in. And then she, she gives this proverb, which has a level of truth in it. It says, stolen water is sweet, and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. She's saying, saying it's good. You know, stolen stuff is good. Things in secret is good. Remember what the adulteress said um, to the, the fool who was there and the, the simple man. And he was saying, come and sleep with me. My husband's gone away. No one's going to know. No one's going to know. No one's going to. He's off. He's off doing business in another town. He's got lots of money. He's not going to be back for, for many, many years. You come, sleep with me. Spend time with me. And let's be honest. There can be some, some truth to that. Things that are secret. Remember when we were young and we were kids? And one of the things you'd say is, got a secret to share and what would that do you'd be like yeah i want to hear this gossip and just knowledge about people but ultimately it is not good it doesn't lead to great place if you read on but he doesn't know that the dead are there and her guests are in the depths of sheol another word for death it's like she's the, um, the siren from Greek mythology. If you know Greek mythology, there are these characters called the sirens who were beautiful women who inhabited the shores of an island. And they would sing and play music beautifully. They would sound these amazing calls would go out across the water and the sailors passing by in their boats would hear them. And they would say, what is that beautiful singing? What is that, that beautiful music I'm here? And they would steer their boats towards the shore to listen to this music and be captivated by these women. But what the problem was, there were rocks and cliffs by the shore. And the more they came in, the more they captivated. Their boats hit the rocks. They, got, they crushed. The boats sank. The men drowned. The purpose of the sign was actually to call them in to kill them. And it sounded so good at first, and it sounded so wonderful, and they went for it. But actually, what happened as a result? Stolen water is sweet, and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But then we have that word at the beginning of verse 16, which changes everything. But he doesn't know the dead are there. He's saying, this sounds great. Let's go into this. Let's, let's do this. This will be great fun. But you're going down to death, buddy. It's also worth pointing out, what does, wisdom, uh, sorry, what does folly offer in, as part of a blanket? What's the actual food it names? Bread and water. Yay! Thanks for that. I look at wisdom, and she's got all these animals she's cooked. And there's wine that she's found. She's made kind of flavorsome and ooh, aromatic. And, ooh, I want that. And she's set out this table with names on it, and it looks beautiful. Or you can have bread and water on the table so when it boils down to it, that's what it is do you want to eat bread and water or do you want to go to a fantastic banquet laid on by wisdom and that's basically what it is that's what it boils down to a simple choice and as we round out this kind of introduction part of um, proverbs a choice is laid before us as the readers what are you going to choose and there is no third option there are only two choices 
And the question for you is, which table are you going to eat at? It's, it's binary, one and zero. You've got one choice or the other choice. There's nothing else. Black and white. Which one are you going to eat at? And you need to make a choice. And if you're here listening to me today, you have to make a choice before you leave the room. And even if you think, I'm not making a choice and I'll just leave, then you've made your choice. You've made your choice. Who are you going to eat with, wisdom or folly? If you are not a believer here, you need to listen to the voice of God through Lady Wisdom. And you need to repent, is that word. You need to turn away from your old way of life. Turn away from the way you're living your life, doing the things your way, running by your own code and your old morals. And you need to have humility and come before the creator of heaven and earth who runs everything and say, actually, I I leave my old way of life. Please forgive me for those times I've done the things I shouldn't have done, all those times when I haven't done the things I should have done, because it cuts both ways. And actually, I want to follow Jesus today. And you can receive salvation. You can receive what Lady Wisdom has to offer today. If you are a believer here today, you will have made a decision at some point in your life. You would have chosen which table you're going to eat at. But, but if we let, think about the wise man, guess what? We make it daily. We have to make daily choices of who I'm going to eat with today. And so for this day, my question to you is, which table are you going to eat at? Which table? I don't know why you came this morning, habit or, you know, just, oh, I've got to go to church, I was so, and I've got something on. Or did you come with that kind of sense of, I'm going to meet with the God and his people So you need to make a choice today. What is your choice? And there's only two of them. Are you going to eat with Lady Folly or are you going to eat with Lady Wisdom? The next question for you is, are you a wise man or a scoffer? I love that word, scoffer. Are you a wise man or a scoffer? Are you a wise man or a scoffer? And the reality is, if you've been around people long enough doesn't have to be church, it can be any people. They're going to rub you up the wrong way, aren't they? And they're going to annoy you, and things are going to come out, and there's going to be correction. There's going to be conflict. There's going to be friction. There's things you're going to have to talk about. You come into the church, I think it's worse because we're a bit weirder, I think. So I think there's more stuff going on in the church. Plus, you have God's Word being taught to you. There's constantly remind you, oh my goodness. There's things in my life I need to sort out, things in my life that I need to get right, things I need to kind of correct. And my question for you is, how do you act, sorry, how do you react to correction? How do you react to correction? Just for the record, if your answer in your head was, well, I don't need to react to correction because I get it right, you've got a problem. Consider this a correction. Okay, that's, that's the first point. But the second one is just deal that. How do you react when someone comes and says to you, and they might not even say it nicely, but they say it to you, you're doing that wrong, or you need to change, or come on, try it this way, or something like that, or even worse, if someone says to you, can I have a word? And you're like, oh, no. And they sit you down and they look you in the eye and say, I just need to talk to you about something do with your behavior or your attitude or something you said or something you did how do you how does that make you feel who's who who would sit and say do you know what i want that i love that in my life please come and please come and speak to me no one does do they but the reality is we need that and every time we sit under god's word 
Every time we hear the word preached, every time we read it for ourselves or around God people, there should be that sense of actually God is conforming our life. And it's not all doing this wrong, you're doing that wrong, of course. But that does happen. We get nudges, we get pushed on the right way. We need to change attitudes. We need to change our way we're thinking. So as we read God's words, are we open to correction? Are we open to God speaking to us about some of the attitudes, the things in our life? What happens if another believer comes to you and says, you know, believers can be annoying sometimes. I love you, I want good things to you, but I need to talk to you about this. And you're like, oh, how do you react to that? What's worse if someone outside the church does it? How does it react at work when your obnoxious, overbearing boss corrects you on something and you're inside thinking, do you know what, you're right, but mm, I don't like you. You know, how do you react to that correction? Are you a wise man? Because the difference between the two is very simple. What does the wise man do? The wise man takes it on board. The wise man learns from it and says, okay, let me, let me try and find the truth in what you're saying. Let me try and take on board. And what happens to the wise man who, follows, who reacts to correction? Well, he becomes wiser. He grows in maturity. If you've ever prayed at any point, Jesus, I want to become more like you. I want to grow in sanctification. I want to grow in holiness. I want to mature as a believer. Guess what that means? That means taking correction as part of that process. not the only thing, but it's one of the things that we take correction and people come and speak to you about those things. I've had this when people in my life have come and sat me down and, and spoken to me. I remember um, one time another leader came and spoke to me about some kind of an attitude I have. And um, in my mind, as he was speaking, I envisioned jumping across the table, throttling him, punching him repeatedly in the face, saying something along the lines of, how dare you speak to me like that? But actually, as he was speaking, the grace of God was with me, and I thought, actually, I need to take on board what you're saying. I actually recognize truth in your words, and I need to kind of react to that. And actually, it was touch and go at one point, but I thought, hopefully, I've learned from it, and I have grown in maturity since that. But that's it. When you are corrected, are you quick to apologize or make right or or make amends or make restoration or just be humble? Because that's part of the process of us learning. And if you carry on reading the rest of Proverbs, I imagine you'll get corrected a lot when you read some of the things about it, about our attitudes and how we act. So are you a wise man or a scoffer? Is there even something now in your heart that you know God is pressing on you that you think, actually, I need to deal with that? How are you going to react? Because again, there's... It's kind of a binary thing. Are you or aren't you going to learn from it? Last one. Do you fear the Lord? Do you fear the Lord? If you're not a believer here, that's a simple answer. No, you don't. And so I've told you what you need to do. If you are a believer here, you may kind of trip off your tongue and say, yeah, yeah, I do. Because I'm a believer. I follow Jesus. But I believe the fear of the Lord, again, is a, is a direction, not a destination. It's not something we, we arrive at like wisdom. It's something we grow and learn in. So my kind of challenge is, is how are we going to grow in the fear of the Lord? In that reverent awe of who he is, recognizing who he is, and recognizing who we are before him. Actually reckon he's God and he's great and he's mighty, he's holy. And there's much he's done for us in terms of saving us, making us holy, adopting us into his family. But how are you going to grow in that knowledge How are you going to take that seriously rather than just kind of going through the motions of, well, I come to church and I come to life group and I go to church and I go to life group and then maybe a prayer meeting gets thrown in. And then once a year I go to a conference to get a word and then I just carry. How are you going to take this seriously and grow? And I want to suggest to you, if you haven't read the back end of Proverbs, 
because we're kind of going to officially sort of finish this bit. The 10, 10 through to the beginning of 31, we're not going to cover. Mel's going to cover the, the, the end of chapter 31 to sort of round it out. But if you've never read that, I encourage you to carry on reading through that. If you've done that and are feeling like, hey, hey, done Proverbs, try Hebrews. We're going to start Hebrews in September. So hey, we have a read of that. Be into your word. If you're interested, I don't know about you, but... Um, I like to read some books over the summer. Life tends to slow down a little bit. You've got a little bit more time. The weather's nice. Sit outside, have a read. We got, um, in our life group, we have a, a WhatsApp group where people can text and everyone gets it and it's all very technically cool. Um, but someone wrote yesterday, has anyone got any suggested reading for the summer? I thought, wow, that's a fantastic question. It's summertime, want to read some books. Has anyone got some suggested reading? So I'm going to give you some suggested summer reading. How about that? Can you, I think they're in there. Do you mind getting them out for me so I can wave them at people? So here's a couple of books. I don't know if you've read them. If you have read them, if you've read these, that's fine. Come and ask me and I'll give you some more. A couple of quick books to read if you want to read over the summer. This one, The Passion of the Christ by John Piper is fantastic. 50 Reasons Why Jesus Died. Each chapter is that long. That's doable, isn't it? That's doable. That's, that's not even like two pages because there's a big bit there and that's blank. So it's not even like, that's like a page and a bit. I mean, really, really, if you clock that, you can read that. But this is excellent. This is just one of those books that focus on the cross, on Christ, why he died, and what that means for us. It's wonderful. If you've never read it, come and read that. I've read it a couple of times. I got it in 2005, according to this. But I read, that's just a great, easy summer reading. You can use a devotional or whatever. If you want something a bit more chunky, I thoroughly recommend this. I've read this twice now, cover to cover. It's called The Cross of Christ by John Stott. This is incredible. This is a wonderful book about all about Jesus and, and the cross and all it means for us, justification, sanctification, etc., etc., all those kind of things, atonement. If you haven't read that, read that. It might take you more than summer, but it is worth it. What you put in, you get out with books. If you put your time in with that, you will get it out. So maybe there's a couple of suggestions there for you. Do you want to stand up? And we're going to finish. Can the band come up? I just want to leave us in a, a response prayer. For this, I just want to close your eyes, open your, your hands. Today for us is a, is a, a black and white day. It's a, it's a day where there's two choices. And that's it. There aren't third choices. There aren't, it's not multiple choice. Let's pick one. It's not a kind of a, let's find the one that works for me. There are only two choices, and I just want to offer you those choices today and for you to make your, your stand in them and whatever it means for you and how you kind of want to outwork that. But today I want you to make your choice. And all I'm going to ask you to do is kind of, is in your heart, make that choice before God. In one sense, nothing happens right now once you've made your choice. But in another sense, something seismic can happen in your life when you say, God, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go this way. And the repercussions on your life can be kind of last for decades it's so important so Lord Jesus I want to thank you for the book of Proverbs I want to thank you for what we've learned thus far Lord I'm looking forward to next week but we've learned so much through looking at this introduction section Lord and you laid out two banquets for us today wisdom and folly Lord and we want to make a choice today to follow wisdom to be a guest at wisdom's table and learn everything we can from her and if you want to make that for yourself, maybe you want to just say that, yeah, I want to follow wisdom. I want to follow wisdom. 
If you're not a believer here and you want to make that decision, we'd love to chat at the end on what that means. But as believers here, say, Lord, we want to continue to eat at your table every single day, Lord. We want to make that our priority to come and enjoy your company, enjoy the banquet you've laid out for us, so much to learn, so much to grow. And Lord, we thank you that we are welcome in your house. That you don't, you don't kind of say to us, well, you've got to, you know, got to take your shoes off and you've got to dress up nice kind of my house. No, you just come to my home. You come in my home however you are and you can be there. And Lord God, we also want to say today we want to be wise men as opposed to the scoffers. And when those times of correction come that can be difficult, they can be jarring, they can be like, mm, Lord, give us grace and humility to grow more and more like you. We learn that on the Freedom in Christ course that... God's, God's desire for us is to become more and more like Jesus. And we can do it. He gives us grace for that. And Lord, we want to say today, Lord, God, make us wise men. It's not a, des- uh, not a destination. It's a journey. It's a direction we live our life. Lord, and we want to say as a people here, God, grow us in the fear of the Lord. Let us never, ever be people who become so familiar with you that we become contemptuous, almost like you're, you become peripheral to our life that you become just sort of stuck on the edges, Lord God. Give us grace today to see you afresh as we sing those songs, such great ones we sang at the beginning of the meeting. They were awesome. Lifted up our eyes, Lord, as we sing now. Lord God, do something in our hearts today, Lord Jesus. Lord God, we want to say we love you and we praise you.